peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. And welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. Um, we have a pretty good show on for you today. We, uh, we've been doing quite a bit of conversating about what our next topic was going to be about, especially after our first uh, podcast we did together, you know, and, and diving deep into, you know, what it is that we are going to be sharing with you guys. And today we got a pretty good, uh, I guess, topic and conversation that we're going to dive into. Um, as I've been, you know, falling into my senior year of my psych degree, I've been, you know, really looking at what my capstone is going to be. And my capstone is focusing on the tactical community and how abnormal behaviors, you know, um, create these outcomes of, of disorders like PTSD and other, you know, I guess mental illnesses that we see from the DNS manual, right? That people like have, have actually legitimately solidified. And today we're going to talk a lot about, you know, not just like PTSD, but as well as like the physical activity aspect of what, um, what we can do as an individual through physical activity and through effort to allow for us to go ahead and, and potentially, you know, help get rid of some of these symptoms that, you know, we experience from a chronic state of, of stress, which is caused by fear of a traumatic experience, I guess you can say is the most simple term there. I mean, I can't, I, I can't go any deeper into that without confusing people or sounding too crazy and, and I've learned to try and simplify it. <laughs> So, um, but again, we have Matt back on this, on the podcast with us and it's his second show. So, you know, we're going to go ahead and yeah, we're going to go ahead and throw the kitchen sink at him and see what he can do. <laughs> uh. Uh, well, I was, actually, I was actually, thanks George. I was actually going to start with, with kind of something that I seem to have written down about a million times with, with the projects that we've been working on over the last few months. Um, and, and it's this kind of, this, this concept we've been throwing around within our, our, our little human performance team here at Softly, that, that we like to think everything we do is, is guided by experience, informed by science, and then proven through results. And we've, we've been trying to take this same approach to everything we, we kind of touch on. And as George was sort of introducing this, the, the, the topic of conversation this week for the podcast is kind of PTSD and, and, and sort of psychological dysfunction, if you like, within the, the tactical space. And it's actually something I think that, that works really well. Um, and we're, we're in, I guess, an unfortunate or fortunate, depending on how you look at it, position in that George literally embodies that. So, so the, the kind of the, exper- the experiential side of things is, is something that, um, that he's, he's kind of gone through. And, and in fact, I can kind of point listeners towards um, a, a, a fantastic video that he did through yeah. is it Honeybeard Honey Training. Yeah. Yeah, honeybeard training, um, which was incredibly impactful for, for kind of me to, to watch, and I think for a lot of a lot of the viewers. Um, but it gives a really good insight from the experiential side of things. As he kind of alluded to earlier, being at the back end of his psych degree as well, he's, he's now able to to kind of connect some of those dots and and inform the conversation a little bit more through a scientific and a, a theoretical background. And that kind of brings me to where I, where I wanted to go with this. Which is idea of, of kind of proving things through results. So I just wondered, George, if you could if you could quickly kind of go through like how your perspective of, of sort of PTSD and, and trauma that's kind of associated with the, the tactical world, 
how's your perspective on that changed from kind of first person door kicker back in day to kind of the the sort of I guess the position you find yourself in now, where you're still you're still embedded in that community, but you're coming at it from a slightly different uh, approach from a kind of a practitioner or a coach perspective. How how's your how's your That's actually a really good question. I uh, I actually just got done writing a small little piece on on how like my perspective in the strength conditioning world has changed in terms of how we look at an athlete's success. So okay. I look at that in the same way as I look at the tactical athlete. It's like, what is the success of the tactical athlete? Well, their success isn't a, a PR in, in a, a lift on a platform. Their success isn't a faster time on the fran time, right? Their success is being able to come back from a, a, a high-risk environment that they've been taught these skill sets to go ahead and operate and actually pretty much survive in, right? It's a life-or-death situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as much as we are trained from a skill set to go ahead and do do that that job, right? To go ahead and fight that war or fight the enemy and know that, hey, I potentially could be killed, over time does does create a a uh, a response in the system from a physiological aspect and and creates this this tension in the system. And we've talked about in the podcast before of like sympathetic tension and parasympathetic tension and sympathetic tension being more of like this heightened state of arousal and parasympathetic state being this this lower state of arousal where you can you know rest and recover and and we can change arousal to stress or state or however you want to look at it but at the end of the day what happens is when when someone who is experiencing chronic stress in a situation such a, such as a tactical athlete and we can go ahead and not just take it from a warfighter's perspective we can go ahead and take it from a firefighter who is now just got, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the bell rang, they're sliding down their pole, getting into their fire trucks and heading to a, to a fire. They have no, the unknown is there, right? And that unknown automatically does create a response in the system to go ahead and spike slightly. And we've talked about this in the past in terms of like, you know, the more exposed we are to these stressors, the better we have to uh to handle them right the better ability we have to handle them um you know there's a research paper that you and i like when i was talking about certain things you went in oh i was talking about going through a shoot house and you're like actually i just read an article talking about the experienced um shooter going through the shoot house actually state of arousal or stress actually went up higher than the the non-experienced shooter but the non-experienced shooter it, ended yeah. up keeping their arousal state higher after making entry into the room compared to the experienced shooter who's done it multiple yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, They were able to understand like, hey, what I'm getting ready to step into, there's a state of arousal or, or, or stress that I need to go ahead and operate in an optimal state. Mm-hmm. And I can say that optimal state correct. curve. Yeah, right. When we talk about the day. optimal state curve, yeah. and and what ends up happening once they get into that room and they recognize there's no dangers and they've done their process of looking through things, they can go back into this this baseline or homeostasis of maintaining of of this optimal state. Well, that younger shooter or that mm-hmm. that non-experienced shooter who's just going through the room under we can say less than ten thousand hour rule. Right. Let's go ahead and use that. Yeah, yeah. I guess survival, survival mode, survival right? Because that's all—that's all they know. Because they don't, they, all they can think of what is it like to be there. So they automatically create that. And I think, you know, yeah. as going back to the question of like, you know, my perception and perspective has changed on it. It comes down to now that hey, there's no way of of avoiding that kind of stress in the tactical community. 
right? The same thing with an LAO mm. police officer, right? Like when they come up on a traffic stop, yeah. there's unknowns there. They, are they going to get a weapon drawn on them? They're going to get hit by a car. There's all these unknowns. So it creates, again, this active state. And, sure. and as we know from the general adaptation yeah. syndrome we've talked about, right? If you spend too much time in threshold, right, or in that resistance phase, you now are going to take longer to get back into a recovery state and get back to baseline, meaning you're sitting in this exhaustion phase mm -hmm. for so long, which when you're in that exhaustion phase, that doesn't mean that you're in some parasympathetic state. You're still in this oversympathetic drive that, you know, starts sure. to create, you know, these acute, you know, symptoms that potentially could be, could be fixed if known right away. But since the, mm -hmm. the stigma and the idea behind, you know, what, happens from PTSD, it does take away um, from the ability to go ahead and help those acute signs and symptoms that we might see right away, right? We're trying to avoid yeah. certain situations. Isolation comes around. It's like, hey, why did George, after our patrol, now go sit in the side of his room afterwards by himself for a little bit longer, like two days later after the incident happened? Like, we need to talk to him instead of leaving yeah. him alone, yeah. right? Or, mm. you know, hey, looks like you know we got back from this deployment and no one's really talked to george but he's been at the bar like crazy instead of like going to the bar and drinking with him even more why aren't we not being like hey dude what's going on what happened during this time period because those those small yeah. acute signs and symptoms are over time going to lead to chronic signs and symptoms which then inhibit mm -hmm. these like dysfunctions of ptsd right um that we see yeah i guess kind of getting stuck in that in that fight or flight, but it's, like, exactly right. And, and again, the people and, and, yeah. and you know, there was a research article that Dr. Katie Pate just put out about, uh, about the operator's operator syndrome. We had a conversation about it. And at the very, mm. at the very bottom, yes, I remember yeah. we talked about it where she said that, or she or someone's right on the bottom that a lot of these guys weren't, ex weren't, weren't having, you know, it wasn't that they, they were afraid of something. It was, they were missing the experience. Right. Mm -hmm. And and like what I take from yeah. that, and, and I could be completely wrong again, like I said, this is just my perspective on PTSD and the tactical community mm -hmm. now, is that like that is not a healthy thought process. Right? Like, hey Yeah. So you kind of you need that you need that level of stimulus to to kind of Correct. Alive right. Like it's like, that's not a, like you need to recognize that, Hey, yeah. In that situation, like you can miss that, but understand like what it is that happens to your body from a physiological and a psychological point internally, not from the external. Right. Because again, that is how everyone perceives. It's like, Oh, well he's perfectly fine. He's not doing anything, but internally his body at the moment or my, like whatever else is yeah, in this chronic yeah. overdrive. And it starts to create these acute signs and mm -hmm. symptoms and those acute signs and symptoms, uh, you know, evolve into these chronic signs and symptoms where now we start seeing even the self-destructive behaviors of drinking now leads to depression over time, which then leads to suicidal tendencies over time. And then this, this negative feedback loop or this, this unlogical thought process is really hard to get out of. And when we could have fixed it, you know, from the start yeah. of recognizing these acute signs and symptoms, such as like isolation, increase mm -hmm. in substance abuse, lack of sleep, yeah. put decrease, decrease in performance ultimately, right? Like, yo, why is he not mm -hmm. shooting as well as he usually is? Like, Hey, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know they, they talk about that kind of golden hour, don't they? In terms of, I, I think it's more um, like, like metaphorical than, than physically an hour on the clock. But this idea of like the, the quicker we can, we maybe as a, as a, as a kind of a, uh, like a healthcare professional or something, the, the quicker we can get in and we can kind of 
provide some sort of intervention, provide to provide change or, or help to that to that operator or to that, that professional, the the kind of the more chance we have of like, and I'm probably butchering the terminology, but disrupting like, the way that the way those those memories and those kind of patterns are embedded. Like I guess like the exactly like you're saying, it's it's us as colleagues and co-workers and team members that are in the prime position to spot that because you you know what the guy to the left and right of you you know what their baseline is like because you spend so much time like you recognize patterns right and like you know something Mm, like i said it in that paper that i sent over you you know when we talked about that research paper on on uh on ptsd you know and again it's it's Mm -hmm. like you said it's not normal writing it's it's organizing facts and transitioning into organizing and organizing the facts that we've found and adding in somewhat experience and you know yeah freud said you know everyone's behaviors are dictated off of past experiences which is true mm-hmm. right so okay. when we go ahead and look yeah. at ptsd and this is kind of again where my perspective has changed is if if your past behaviors have have been very abnormal or normal within a society that you know you're drinking you're you're not sleeping well you're out going running and gunning you're doing all those things in that moment that's not abnormal yeah, yeah. that is your normal yeah that's, that's your tactical culture. culture isn't it It'd be that law enforcement right like and, and yeah. some people be like that's not the case well no it is it's like you you don't sleep properly you work out way too hard you you consume too much alcohol or something that causes problems and you have a lack of connection with support around you Right. And like those are legit mm-hmm. things. We can go ahead and say all those things. Well, guess what happens when you're in an environment that don't look at those as abnormal? It creates this normal process. So when you move out of that, out of that like cultural environment or ecosystem and you move into a new one where everyone's sleeping eight hours a day, everyone works out differently, everyone looks at life a little bit different, you now become the abnormal individual in that normal society because your behaviors are completely different. Now, that sure. there shouldn't happen. We should be able to move from different cultures or different environments to make adjustments. Am I saying that the drinking, the sleeping and all those things, like I've been there, I've done it. Am I going to go back to that again? No, like that's not where I'm at. I'm not like, that was just what was in my time at that time period. And that's what I was around. But I've also learned from those experiences that I can't bring that into my everyday life today. And I think that's the point here is like, yeah. The perspective that I've created on this is the goal is to like, I want to be able to not just help individuals go ahead and kick doors down, help throw ladders up on the wall and go ahead and knock down fires. Are the LEO fire LEO guys making the proper decisions, right, to do so? No, I want you guys to be able to do that plus more, not just meeting operational demand, but exceeding it and exceeding it into your personal life. So ultimately, how healthy are you? Right, like that's the goal, and, sure, and, and yeah. I think the strength conditioning world today is evolving to go ahead and start integrating the whole strength conditioning world and the whole sports psychology world. Right, for so long they've both mm. been separate, yeah. and I yeah. think one thing that we're doing here as a whole, and you've helped me out with, is learning how to create this bridge across the two, so that we can go back and forth and have conversations like we are right now. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the classic example of that is is where we've been. We've been working on this idea of, of the, this conscious warrior system. I think you, you sort of touched on last time, and just how like the the more we look into things, the more we kind of um, like talk and discuss the, the different pillars like sleep and training, and stress management, and things like that. The more kind of intertwined they are, like the harder it is to like to, to kind of tease them apart. Like your your nutrition affects your sleep which affects your sleep management which affects your choices in nutrition which affects your training which affects your sleep yeah and there's no way to kind of to 
to do what we would typically do in, in medicine, in sports science, and, and put things in a lab and isolate. There's no way to do that in the real world. Um, things are things are kind of so ingrained. Uh, sorry, so in, intertwined. Um, and I, I suppose that's that's maybe kind of the next conversation is, is sort of how do you like if we if we know like you talked about at the start if we know that that stressful situations are, are an everyday part of, of the, the, the tactical world whichever branch you're you're working then clearly we clearly we need that stress it's like you yeah you, know, you, you obviously you want to be able to have an elevated heart rate and like an adrenaline dump if you're chasing someone or if you're if you kind of got to move quickly so we don't want to we don't want to get rid of that but i guess i guess the the kind of the question is then well how do we how do we perhaps help mitigate some of the dysfunction that might come from um like yeah people not coping properly and do, i mean do you think there's any way we can we can sort of pre-arm people so we can pre-arm guys yeah that's actually in. another great question because it's something that you know i've taken from you with your whole dynamic systems theory Right. Like we both have come with these theories and you really, you really helped me kind of take the approach of what change of direction and agility was right in a, in a physical realm. Yeah. Right. We know that change of direction is, is being able to make a known direction change to a known stimulus. Right. The keyword is known. We know sure. agility is to go ahead and act at act and move towards an unknown stimulus. And the two examples would be mm-hmm. a five, 10, five for a performance test for a tactical athlete. That is change of direction testing. That is a known test that's a known stimulus he's changing directions to now we're going to go ahead and put him out on a trail run where the terrain is actually quite difficult and he has to go ahead and make it through the terrain and have the ability or not the ability the agility (laughs) to go ahead (laughs) and and react and keep his pace moving to the to the unknown stimulus that come across the floor when he's running and having to make different changes well how do we carry that into the tactical athlete community it's quite simple and i i've 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 coined the term and i don't know if it's out there i've looked it up already but psychological flexibility and and when i look at psychological flexibility i look at the change of direction of your psychological thought process which is you have a psychological thought press to a known stimulus or a known thing and then agility is the psychological process of a known unknown stimulus that you have to make a quick decision to at that moment yeah i like that that's and that, that there is what I believe we're, is, is, do I say it's missing? I don't know if it's missing. I think it just hasn't been talked about. It's, oh, you can't miss something if it's not been talked mm-hmm. about. Correct? Yeah, so yeah. this I- idea of psychological yeah. flexibility when it comes to the tactical athlete community is needed to allow for them to go ahead and avoid these dysfunctional thought process, right? And and again, is it that easy? No, like we have to focus on these pillars we talk about of, of managing stress or mm-hmm. let's go ahead and use it. We're getting ready to put it out here, the recovery management process and understanding what the recovery yeah. management process is and how it actually helps. It's like, it's, it's a tool to help with these acute str- uh, stressors that might over time create chronic stressors, right? Yeah, yeah, so kind of you're, you're emptying Correct. your cup. Correct. Or- yeah, with the cut model of stress that we talk about. So at the end of the day, having that psychological flexibility allows for us to go ahead and make 
logical cha- logical uh, decisions. It allows us to go ahead and see and perceive the world in a different manner, which again, everyone knows, and I've, I've posted this on my social media about like, what is the, the thought process model or what does it look like? And it's like, what is it, whatever we perceive in the world to be positive, neutral, or negative, we create thoughts off of that, which then create behaviors, emotions, and whatever. So we are ultimately in control of what are, we see this in our life. It comes through a thought process. We have control of how we want to go ahead and perceive it, which then will can create this behavior, which then allows us to know that, yes, yeah. the mind is very complex and it's very unknown, which is why the idea of psychological flexibility comes to mind in talking about, hey, if we can look at it from this idea of like being able to have logical thought process when you have to go ahead and make that quick time decision to an unknown stimulus. And then you also still have a logical thought process to a known stimulus where you can recognize a pattern. Let's say for example, you know, most of the time what ends up happening is your central nervous system goes on such a hard drive from a specific traumatic event that we end up becoming very desensitized to our nervous system and feeling. Does that make sense? So, So, yeah. Yeah. So again, kind of getting stuck almost with like, like your foot flat on the accelerator, you're stuck in that fight or flight. Correct. And the way I like to think about that is, have you read the book Behave by Robert Spiskowski? Is it? He's a big time like anthropologist no. is how you say that right? I probably messed that up. I'll have to send you the okay. book, but it's called Behave. And, yeah, he, yeah. And, and he starts yeah. talking about like the reason why we see dis- like dysfunctions in the, in the psyche is due to the fact of improper firing mechanisms and functions of neurotransmitters. <laughs> which okay. we all can understand like oh cool and the way he ali- he put this he's like imagine you having super glue on your fingers and trying to play the piano we know when you hit a piano key it yeah. goes bing and it comes back and it goes away after a while think of your neurotransmitter yeah. your nervous system the same way when it has stress to it so what ends up happening is, uh, is okay. let's go ahead and say that that traumatic event you know was a super glue to your index finger and you hit the button well, now with your finger down on top yeah. of that button, that noise never goes away. It's the same thing here with our nervous system. Mm-hmm. And the goal here is we have to develop an intervention or treatment plans or whatever breacher charge to un- unstick that finger to lift off that key to let yeah. it recover. And what we're seeing here right now, okay. and that's again, that's so again, like you said, why is this chronic? Well, it's because we have too many fingers glued to the to the piano keys right now that are stuck down and it's not relying it to come off. Yeah, yeah. So I guess in terms of... I- I, I, I think I'm following it in terms of like taking that analogy a little bit further then it would almost be like if you if you imagine like an electric electronic keyboard and you're, you're pressing your key down that being the, the kind of the, the PTSD or the dysfunction it doesn't matter what you do with the other hand in terms of playing other notes at the top of the keyboard you, you still have that like that being kind of um, maybe like antidepressants, um, kind of talking therapy, things like that. It doesn't matter what you're doing because you still have Correct. that key pressed down. Right. Okay. And that's and that's the big point. Yeah, yeah. And that's the point here. So the goal is how do we go ahead and get that key from consistently being on? Or how do we get that individual from mm. having this chronic state? And it, and a lot of people are and I'm not gonna say a lot, I hate using absolutes. I, I get called out for it by the by the wife. Yeah, um, yeah, no. And I don't wanna be discredited <laughs> like always talking absolutes. What I'm trying to say is that I think for the longest time we've really tried to focus on curing the symptoms, i.e. depression, substance abuse, suicide. And we're mm. never really going to yeah. the super glued finger on the keyboard. We're never going to that point to where it's like, no, once we ingrain, once we unstuck that or once we go ahead and blow the breacher charge off of that to allow for it to release, then we can then from there, we can then treat the symptoms, right? Because 
cause and effect aspect. That's kind of the way you got to look at it. Yeah, yeah. So kind of get into the root cause rather than just trying to play over that one Correct. note. You'll, you'll Correct. get rid of it. So we yeah. know okay. like as, 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 as professionals in the strength conditioning world, we know that there's certain things that will help with that, right? And we know that yeah. there's certain things that won't help with that, that actually make it worse. Mm. And and I think at yeah, times yeah. what happens is we don't utilize the things that our body's naturally meant to do first. We go straight to something mm. external. And this goes down to the idea when I was talking about at the beginning of the show is like, hey, we can go ahead and focus on and fixing symptoms of PTSD through specific actions of physical activity. And when I say physical activity or physical health, I mean, we go ahead and look at sleep. We go ahead and look at hydration. We go and look at nutrient dense foods. We look at how are they handling calming activities that create an arousal state. That's not a sympathetic response. It's more of a parasympathetic response that allows for your body to like yeah, go yeah. into the state of like relaxation, right? Yeah. It takes, it takes the key off the finger off. The Correct. Key. Right. And then you go ahead and look, well, we know that high intensity training, we know that heavy loads, we know that high co contraction volume of muscles, we know that when that happens, it causes a what? A sympathetic response. So all of those things are only adding to the the, the glue and the finger stuck to the key. So yeah, it's like, well, yeah, yeah. all right, we yeah. know what those things do to the system already, right? We know too much high intensity training without having a dysfunctional, like, mental disorder or mental illness or having PTSD or something like that. We know already without that it causes, it can cause overstress and it can cause overtraining and it can cause these other problems. So then why would I give that to someone yeah. who's already in a chronic state of stress who we're trying to fix? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And that's what I'm, that's go for. Yeah. But, no, no, I, I was just going to say, I guess that comes with that in a similar bracket to that, that kind of self-medication like, like alcohol. We, we so like when you're in that kind of in that state, you 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 need like almost a let's go back to the keyboard. You almost need a note that's going to be louder, and that louder note might be the alcohol, or it might be like just burning yourself down in training. And I guess depending on what your what like the culture or the societal norms are where you are, like in in the military in the tactical world, that's that's PT, that's fitness. You you kind of you get that stimulus by smoking yourself in the gym. And you haven't got a, you haven't got someone there saying, "Whoa, there's something not quite right." You're, you're applauded. That's awesome. Oh yeah, well, you, you were like you're leading that loaded march or, or whatever it was you're doing. So it's kind of it, it's it's difficult because from the from the outside it looks like you're doing the right thing, but but like you said, it's it's just turning that volume up on that. Correct. Key that's and like out. I think, and so for example, that same and let's use that same example, right? Oh, you won the ruck march. Cool. Well, what did your sleep look like mm -hmm. leading up to this? Are you injured? What's your pain level at? And what is your support system at this? And ultimately, are you healthy? Right? Because yeah, I'd rather yeah. applaud yeah. someone who says they're healthy, in shape, reaching their goals, and is durable and able to go ahead and still outperform everyone else. I, and compared to the individual, you know, who won the effort and did all these things, but everything else around them is completely just in shambles. Because that's yeah. a legit thing. Yeah. Well, that's. Yeah, and, and, and we're kind of we're 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 all about that sort of that idea of, of longevity. We're we're like as a as a model in terms of adding value, we're not we're not necessarily about like um prepping someone to to kind of crush selection tomorrow, that's it, like at all costs. We're looking at like 
10, 15, 20 years down the line, how, how can we make you kind of be the, the best person rather than just the best professional? How can we make you be the best person? Um, and, and you have to, for that kind of longevity, like we've, we've talked about before, you have yeah. to build that base. You have to have that, that healthy Yeah, balance. you know, it's, it's really cool, right? I, I was having a conversation this morning with a friend of mine and we were talking about, you know, it's no longer cool just to lift heavy weights and it's no longer cool just to run long distances, like, I don't look at it from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like, I look at it now, it's like, is how cool is it to lift heavy weights, wrong, run long distances, and still have a very healthy balance in my personal life? That there yeah. is a trifecta for success. Yeah, yeah. It makes it 3D. It's, it's not, you're not like a correct, two-dimensional person. Right, and like, and as we go into like the, converse, the conversations that we've had about, you know, the CWS system, right? Like when we've had, mm-hmm. or the CWS theory, when we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. The Contra Warrior system, right? When we talked about that and that theory, when we first got into it, I went down this path of like spiral dynamics and like this idea that everything has to be integrated from not just the 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 profession or the the identity it was like no like the ego has multiple different identities the self only has itself so that's kind of where like the spirituality aspect when i look at you know when we go ahead and do this idea of conscious warrior system when we're starting to present and talk more about it and continue getting this proof of concept it comes down to no it's like what does the self really need to go ahead and allow for the egos to really meet that ident- that identity that they're in at that moment to their full potential Right. Instead of the opposite, where everyone's trying yeah, yeah. to go ahead and chase the identity of the ego to reach their full potential and they're missing everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just almost like you're looking at it through the wrong Pretty much. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, yeah. what it is. So, so I guess kind of like steer, steering this sort of back to, to where we were originally going with, with regards to like, how can we like take, how can we provide take homes? How can we, how can we like, um, help to sort of arm these guys who who we know are going to be going into stressful situations. Do you, do you think kind of addressing that that foundation, that health, wellness, like spirituality, whatever you want to term, do you think that's like there's there's kind of a place for that? That's I think it's a piece from. of the puzzle. I don't think it's like the end okay. all be all. Like I think there's a I think there's going to be a lot of different systems that need to be utilized to really make it happen, um, and we can go ahead and talk about the specific yeah. roles that we see in terms of the strength conditioning world. We had a conversation about that yesterday, right? Where I'm like I've taken the ideas yeah. of different roles from the sports psychology realm and created these realms in the strength conditioning world, right? Where you have a researcher, clinician mm-hmm. slash consultant, coach, and then you have an educator. And, and, and it's learning yeah. how to integrate all three of those to go ahead and help the athlete mm. move forward, meaning that you don't just need science to help someone get better or you don't need just specific clinic, clinic therapy to get better. And you also, you also don't just need the educational understanding of why you're having it. You need to be able to integrate all three of them to develop that foundation, to have something to fall back on when things do get a little bit hard and, and you might not see a quick per- change in the process. Right. So for example, yeah. you know, there could be research coming out talking about how microdosing LSD can help with depression. Right. Cool. Well, that doesn't mean that someone just goes and starts microdosing LSD because it said this on the research paper. That's not the thing. The same thing with, you know, oh, someone's in the strength conditioning field helping them do this thing and it's help relieving, you know, you know, PTSD symptoms. Well, it's not just that either. Oh, hey, we're educating individuals on how to do this. That's not just the case either. Do those things work? I'm not saying they don't. They do, obviously. 
But for those, the reason why those all yeah. work is because they've all gone through a process of each of those roles to allow for them to help create mm -hmm. the proper intervention and treatment plan to allow to help the individual move forward to their uniqueness of whatever the env environment or experience sure. was. So I guess I can't kind of go, go right back to that, that N equals one, like every, everybody's different. So you kind of need to like, just as with a, from a kind of a, a fitness and performance perspective, perspective, you like you don't always give the same people the same exercises and expect the same results. You have to like know where your strengths and deficiencies are, what what kind of implement, what kind of rep scheme is, is going to be most applicable to this person. I guess from a from a kind of psychological uh, dysfunction perspective, you, you need to kind of have like that that same approach of well, we know that tools A, B, and C are available having spoken and, and kind of understood what's going on with, with your, your patient, your athlete, your professional, I think maybe tool A is the most applicable at the moment, but in a week's time, in two weeks' time, it might be that tool B is better, or we might have discovered yeah. tool B. You know, there's kind of different like different options available, and that'll, that'll change depending on where you are. Correct. That and and that's the crazy awesome. part. Like in that research paper that I sent to over you, I even talked about how it's really hard to measure the the effectiveness of a traumatic event. Yes, can we go ahead and have them do a scale mm. of zero to 10? But when you go ahead and put that, let's go ahead and use the whole N equals one aspect. Let's go ahead and say that each each individual had the same experience in that traumatic event. We use the Las Vegas shootings, for example. Remember, if you hear about that, what happened out here a couple years ago? Yeah. So let's yep. go ahead and, and let's say we did a survey of like what was their perception to the event we're going to go ahead and have multiple different types of numbers some people might be at a 10 some might be at a six some might be at a seven some might be at a two depending on how close they were to the incident right yeah and then you have you can also do the same thing to the world or the people that watched it from the news and, mm. and watched it from this point of view through a phone that also creates a yeah. psychological dysfunction because you experienced and watched a legit traumatic event happened so that also so it's like what does the scale on that look like right it's not all going to be the yeah, same across yeah. the board so then that means that everyone's going to going to need something specific to go ahead and lower that number of perception to that event yeah. mm, okay and I, I guess like you're talking about before with with like every everybody sees things slightly differently depending on their like their upbringing their personal circumstances at the time Again, again, kind of going back to going back to this idea of, of those those pillars of the, the the system. Like, if you let let's not use Vegas, let's use something kind of um, that's that's not quite so extreme. But like something that losing your losing your car keys, for instance. If you've like had a full night's sleep and you're like everything else in life is really good, nutrition's on point, you're like your training's looking good, jobs jobs great, then. Yeah, it's a bit annoying, but it's not the end of the world. But if that's the last, if that's like the, the final straw, that's the last thing that's, that you can kind of tolerate, it's the same event, it's the same thing that's happening. But like the, the reaction, the response is so different based on like what else is, is kind of going on. Um, it's, it's, and that's, yeah, yeah and that's it's, honestly it's just the cognitive distortion. That's realistically right, what okay. it is, right? So what ends up happening from these dysfunctions, we create these distortions in, in our in our in our in the how we way we view the world. That's all ultimate, like mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like we yeah. end up creating distortions of that. And that's actually one like that's it's cool you said that you brought up that idea of of like losing your keys. Cause it's like if 
if you're sleeping eight, like let's say you are sleeping eight hours and you're doing all these things and you lose your keys, ultimately someone who's a pretty healthy individual sounds like shouldn't have such a uh, harmful response to them being a, them losing their keys. It should just be kind of like, all right, cool, you lost it. Let's just find it. Yeah. But now yeah. if we see an individual, and again, this is just the way I view it. If I see an individual who, again, I've been there too. I lost my shit because I couldn't find my keys. Well, maybe I should ask the question, why did I lose my shit for losing the keys? Because it's something mm-hmm. a lot deeper than just the keys. There's something else that I'm not, you yeah. know, it's like, well, did I sleep enough? Did I go ahead and how did I eat last night? What did my day look like yesterday to set me up for today? You know, like all of those things mm-hmm. are are interconnected to create this this infinity loop of life for you remember we talk about that and 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 it's a never process so it's just learning how to go ahead and pull certain things out of that infinity loop and put things in there that create this positive Mm -hmm. you know flow again because again everything in our world and universe there's a positive negative and neutral negative right we know that but we have control of some of Mm -hmm. those things ultimately and some things we don't have control over but when we don't have the control over it at least we have the skill sets now to control what we perceive what happened in this uncontrollable experience. Mm. That, that was actually something I, I was going to ask you, see, see what your take on uh, was. So this this kind of idea of, of things being uncontrollable and, and changing in perception. So like we, from again, from your your kind of research paper that you shared with me on, uh, on kind of how PTSD has evolved and changed since it's um, kind of yeah. the early days of it being recognized as a... Um, I don't know, am I using the right terms, like a clinical kind of diagnosis? Would that be fair? Was that, was that like the 1700s? I think it was. Like yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it, it was uh, 1789. Okay. You're talking about penal, right? Okay, cool. So, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess what I was kind of getting at was like, obviously, the, the tactical space, if you like. So kind of um, thinking of... of warfare as just as an example because it's easy to kind of track through if you think of the nature of, of, of warfare back then and how it kind of changed through sort of the first world war and the second world war and, and kind of going into um kind of the, the middle of the 20th century through to the back end and, and kind of to, to where we are now i guess like the the nature of the nature of the stress and, and of the traumatic events yep. is, is changing so like no longer are things happening right in front of you physically. No longer are you, are you kind of drawing swords and, and kind of uh, like literally face-to-face with, a, with an enemy, kind of like you were talking about with with the, um, the Las Vegas shooting. It might well be you, you're experiencing that kind of trauma through a screen. Um, and, and I just kind of wondered with, with kind of where – with where – um, the tactical world, be it military or, or law enforcement, fire in terms of using kind of more computer integrated systems and approaches. Where obviously for it, it's it's a good thing having that having that nice gap between human and yeah. kind of a threat. But as, as things shift more towards that, how how do you kind of think that will affect like how we how we perceive and and, and deal with stress? And I think it's making like us. Um, more sensitive to the physical trauma if we experience in a physical at, at being there, right? So it would over time we just become um, less resilient to specific things in our world. I okay. truly believe, which makes why we see PTSD being such a prominent. Um, 
how do I want to say this? Because it's it's there's there's enough research to be showing that the the spike in suicides in the military right now are are mm-hmm. increasing, right? Like in 2000, I think yeah. it was I wrote in the paper. I told I think it was like 2018 or 19. It went from like 20 percent um, active duty and veterans had killed themselves in in terms of 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 the military to like 23 or 24 percent. Oh, is this something like twenty? Per, there you go. Yes, 100, twenty per one hundred thousand to, to, to twenty five. Correct. Per 100, yes, exactly. Like I'd have to check those. Correct. So, like, that's what they talked about was that, like, the DoD stated that uh, for every one hundred thousand active duty members, twenty people will kill themselves. That number had gone within a year sure. from twenty to like twenty four or twenty five. It seemed like, and yeah, I mean, when you when you think it. Sorry, George, just just kind of jumping in quick. Like I know at the moment with with kind of COVID and things like that, we're bombarded forever with stats and numbers and things like that, and and you kind of almost get a little bit numb to it, like what those numbers actually mean. But like when you when you take a step back and kind of comprehend that, it's it's, cr- it's crazy. It's insane. That's, it's it's crazy. So it's like horrendous. this whole like twenty two thing. It's like it's not twenty two guys. It's it's a lot more than that. Like you know, it's mm. like 22. No, it's like, that's a, that's a lot of people who are doing that. And it's, and again, why is it doing it? And that, that question that you asked, you know, is like, how do you think it's going to affect us? I think truly as, you know, warfare is evolving, it's going to go ahead and really challenge the world of psychology and how to go ahead and help treat mm. these. It's going to go ahead and challenge it in a very different way. Will it be able to be uh, to help and will we find cures and we find treatment plans to help it? Yeah, of course. I think we're on the path right now to do so. And I truly believe to do that, we must really focus on the human first, making sure that, you know, their physical and the psychological and emotional well-being is very, very, very strong in a personal human aspect that they have a strong mm-hmm. foundation to stand on top of. So when they go into the profession and they start experiencing things over videos and let's go ahead sure. and use um you know pilots who fly drones from another country like who live in in one country and are doing jobs in, in the other countries and dropping bombs yeah, yeah. like that does take a toll on individuals right it's like hey you might not be there but if you don't have a healthy lifestyle outside of that profession when you have to go and cope through those things and everything and you don't have no one to do so that's when the chronic state actually is increase because now you don't have no one to talk to you're dwelling on it possibly or you're doing all these things to go ahead and try and get rid of it but you always got to come back to it yeah yeah like how'd you get that disconnect if you're if you're kind of that, that i guess that's what we were talking about before if you're physically overseas or physically boots on the ground that's one thing because then you know at some point you're gonna you're gonna go home you know you're, you're gonna escape that that environment with those triggers and things like that but i guess if you're if you're like leaving that ISO container, getting in your car, and five minutes later you're you're back with your husband or your wife, and and like you're probably looking at a screen that's very similar to the screen that you just experienced something pretty horrendous on. Like how does your how does your brain like disconnect? And Correct, say, oh, this and that's is where the psychological flexibility comes in, right? To mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah. hey, look, I now know that I've trained myself to go ahead and handle these known stimulus that are going to go ahead and have a psychological. Re- re- uh, effect on me so i know now what actions sure. i need to take oh i might after me going into work today or hey after i'm done with this mission and we experience this thing you know as a group we might want to go ahead. and i know this sounds like everyone's like we won't wait you want us to go ahead after a patrol we should debrief yeah we should debrief and every patrol has a debrief but we should debrief the human as well not just the mission 
right? Meaning yeah. like, let's have a yeah. conversation about this, about this patrol. How did it make you, f- and I'm not saying sit there and like, how did it make you feel? No, it's like, Hey, are you okay? Like, you know, how do you feel about this? Like really like, I let's speak, let's just have a conversation about like, you know, and let's laugh a little bit and let's go ahead and, and whatever mm-hmm. to go ahead and just move energy. Right. Cause I truly believe conversation yeah. leads to change and con- why? Because again, our, th- and this is me going spiritual, our throat chakra, if we can get that vibrating, guess what we're doing? We're moving energy, which allows okay. for us to go ahead and get us out of this stuck process. So again, that's the reason why it's really good. And, and, and this is from experience from like being in, in a suicidal spiral, right? And is the way I got out of it was through conversation, was me just talking, 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 talking. And it created this, this change of like, whoa, what's going on? Right? If that makes sense, okay. and I and I know it's this sounds this might not be super research and scientific, and this comes from like a theory and everything else. Yes, no, that doesn't but it make does it right. Cool. So like, yeah, let's yeah. talk about the event. Let's talk about this trim, and that's why like people like oh, that's why I go to therapy. Well, therapy is great. I don't. I'm not saying anything. Like my wife's getting ready to be a clinical therapist in the next year, year and a half, and she's going through that, and she. And, and I can't discredit it, right? But what I'm talking about is having raw conversations with the dudes that you experienced it with, right? And like, again, when we go ahead and I even talked about when we go and look at, again, I don't want to open this can, but when we go ahead and look at rape victims. I think one of like the treatments is like, you know, approaching your, 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 your predator and, 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 and facing right. that because that allows you to have this different change of perspective towards it to help you have a better thought process to get you out of that. That's just another tool to help with psychological flexibility. I look at from that standpoint. So it's the same thing here. Yeah, it's okay. like, Hey, you just went to. You just went through and did a, a, a. You just did a hard hit in a house, and you guys smoked three dudes. Two of your buddies put two guys down, and then one dude put one dude down. Everyone else had to make sure everything was good. But again, those two, those three dudes who put down those three guys, or those two dudes who put down those three guys, you know, need to talk about it. I'm pretty sure. Like you don't need to like, and if they're like, "Hey, yeah. I'm not ready to talk about it," that's respectful. But it's like it doesn't need to be like, "Oh, leave it alone." It needs to be like, "No, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this." Like, "Yo, you did what you had to do because it was correct, right?" Like, we understand like what you had, like, but let's talk about it. And I think that's what's missing. And I think us not moving energy, us not having that conversation, doesn't allow us to to get what's stuck in our head, right? Sure. I, I mean, I guess I guess that's that's maybe as well. That's like a, a process that we we have to ingrain and we have to start early so so just like from a from kind of an athletic perspective you don't try something new on game day it's like like this kind of stuff should be built into um like the early the early days of, of say basic training this idea of, of kind of encouraging communication and and this and this kind of uh, this approach it's, it's a good thing to share and to be to be open with stuff because then when you get to like you get to kind of when it matters and you have to be able to do that. You're already in the routine. It's just, it's, it's normal. normal. It, and again, kind of going back to what you're talking about before, it, it normalizes it within the And the it's no longer abnormal. Culture. Right? Because yeah. at yeah, the yeah. end of the day, right, an abnormal behavior is just a societal definition. Like societal, the society <laughs> yeah, creates yeah. the definition of what abnormal behaviors are due to that, that cultural mm-hmm. context, right? So, Again, yeah. and, and this is yeah. something we talk about all the time, and I've said this before in the podcast, micro movement dictates macro movement. Micro experiences mm-hmm. dictate macro experiences, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're this. Yeah, 100%. So like, you know, how do we, how do we go ahead and, and have help 
produce an, a lower uh, adverse effect from these experiences that we put ourselves in a tactical professional position. It's taking care of ourselves outside of the profession first, M making sure that's healthy. Yeah. And then utilizing the tools and the skill sets to go ahead and help you transition between that personal and professional life and not letting those two integrate, right? I think one of the biggest things I used to say when I was in the Marine Corps was like, I never called my blouse a blouse. It was my jersey, right? Because okay. it, had, it had the team I yeah, played right. for in my last name. What's on a football jersey? What's on yeah. a basketball jersey, right? Yeah, but yeah. When, that, when it was time to take off that jersey, who was I? I was no longer Sergeant Briones, yeah. part of the United States Marine Corps. I was George Briones, who plays for the United States Marine Corps. You know, like that's 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 the view I've had to take, and it's taken me a while. Me falling into, hey, who am I? Oh, I'm Sergeant Briones of the United States Marine Corps in this world, and it's like, well, no, that's just that's just who I get to play right now in this world, right? But I mean, that's that's a really interesting way of looking at it because you could, I guess, you could you could kind of follow that along and, and think that some of the stuff that, that Simon Briones was being asked, ordered to do, probably isn't compatible with the things that make him a great dad and a great husband, you know? So like having that ability to quite literally change hats, change berets, and and not not kind of carry that over. Um, from from one environment to another is, is really important. You know, disconnect. Yeah, and well, and it's like, it's, and again, it's like, I'm, it's not that I'm not, I'm disconnecting and not not being true that identity. You know, I'm always going to be connected to it. But what I'm learning to do is translate those skill sets into my life today, to where they become a healthy response, and they're no longer what used to be destructive tendencies for an enemy. They're no longer no longer a self destructing tendency in an abnormal environment. They now are becoming self-creating tendencies and, and positive behaviors in this normal society that I've created around me, right? Right, okay. Like, I can use okay. my skills and foundations of being of being a shooter, right? It's all the foundations of, of marksmanship, right? Like, that's it. I can still put an arrow at 100 yards on a fucking target. How did I able... Mm. Or like photography, I guess, like you were talking about before. Like I kind of mountain into the hillside. Correct, right? That's, that skill set is something I learned in the military and I can carry it out to actually do and enjoy things, right? Why do you think I love landscape photography? Because it gives me that feel of sitting inside of a height site. It allows me to recall that experience of hiking up the mountain, setting up for the shot, taking the shot. It's the same thing what I used to do in the Marine Corps, you know, when you're doing greenside reconnaissance patrols. You are moving through the mountains in a very deliberate, intentful way to not be spotted by the enemy, to go ahead and get into your hide site, to go ahead and observe and conduct reconnaissance and conduct intelligence to send back to higher-ups to allow for us to go ahead and carry on follow-on missions. Right. Well, what did that look like? Well, I was sitting inside a hide site, spotting, taking photos, doing panoramics, writing up reports, making sure communications is up to talk back to hire. Cool. All those things I learned will help me be better in the mountains now. Right. Oh, hey, oh, hey, babe. Yeah, like yeah. I might not be able to talk to you, but my watch sends out something to you. So now I still have connection with someone that's out here. What did I do when I was in the deployments? I had to have mm -hmm. communications with the rocket at all times. Similar thing here. I had right. to have the mindset and understanding of what I was doing in the mountains or on patrol. It's the same thing here, right? Now it's now instead of yeah. sitting inside a hide site for hours, I'm getting to the point, able to catch my shots, do what I want to do, and it puts me in an experience that fills my cup to a point that brought back happy memories. That there helps me mm. like is an application, application, right, of 
how do we get rid of these symptoms? Because I truly believe that yeah. not only is PTSD psycho, uh, psychodynamic, I truly believe it's environmental. Okay. So do you, do you think by, like, by the fact that um, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of able to spend time in the mountains in a, in a similar, in a similar kind of dynamic to, to how you were before, is that kind of this idea of allowing you to sort of process the, like process those emotions? Correct. Again, it comes back to moving energy, right? When we talk about moving energy and everyone's like, what the hell, George? (laughs) But it comes down to it, right? Like realistically, we just have energy that's stuck that creates this overload and that over time just implodes. Right, but if we can yeah. move energy by getting down the mountains and and having control and playing offense with our environment, meaning that I get to control the environment that I'm in, meaning that if I can control that, I can then go ahead and get rid of some of these symptoms that I have been experiencing. Mm-hmm. Right, that is the first yeah. step. Like, and again, it, that's it. Right? Yes. Is there some kind of psychodynamic um, dysfunction? Of course, there is. Yes, we know. But there's. But we also can have. We have professionals and subject matter experts who can help with that. But that's just, again, that's just one part of the system to go ahead and help focus on minimizing the effect of whatever trauma, traumatic event that someone experiences in the tactical community is going back to the human first, right? Which the only way that you can go ahead and find results or prove results is through this guided through experience by doing, by providing action, which then we can take the action and the experiences we learned from that and apply it to some kind of science that people have used in the past and we just mm. solidified our foundation towards like, yeah, look at this. Like, I guess that's why the, the conversation piece is so important. Like, like you said, just being with the, the guys and girls and, and being able to talk yep. through stuff because it, it gives you that, it's that experience. It's that reliving, maybe reliving and, and having the opportunity to process those emotions and those feelings, but you're, you're now in an environment that works for you in that safe environment. So you're able to, to kind of process. hundred percent. That's a hundred percent, you know, um, so yeah, yeah. man, I, I, I'm fascinated by the brain. I'm fascinated by the way that it, that it does operate. And I'm also fascinated by the, the way that our brain perceives the world because that's realistically what it is, right? Like we perceive the world through our eyes, our brain, and then we have a physiological response to the world. If you think about it yeah. in hindsight, like, or anyone, if that's the right way to say that but if you think about that's kind of what it is like it's like okay cool so yeah Yeah. we just need to go ahead and learn how to have the psychological flexibility to go ahead and handle this this complex and unpredictable muscle slash organ inside our head Mm. i guess like from say from your wife's perspective that's where it gets super interesting from a clinical or a coaching perspective in that not only do you as the coach and the clinician have that process where everything you're seeing and doing is through your lens, but you have to also be able to relate to like, well, how's the, the, the athlete or the individual in front of me, how are they going to be perceiving things and how can I, how can I shape this kind of experience or this help so that it looks the same through their lens as it does through mine. A hundred percent. So it's, again, we've talked about this before is coloring the same (laughs) color cups. Um, and it had a really good mentor yeah, yeah. of mine. Uh, mentor of mine, you know, we were having a conversation about um, about endurance and effort, and this was last year. And 
he told me, he was like, man, he's like, if you can go ahead and learn how to color the same color cups across the board, having a conversation with someone, you're going to be a very powerful individual. And I was like, mm. what is, like, I had to like think on that. Like, it was like same color cups. Same. I had to learn how to have a conversation with someone and take what I know and put it into their language. Even though we speak both English, you still have a specific language of, or a, a sub-language of English for you to understand. <laughs> a sub-language, I think you And have you have my, my sub-language, sub right? Like, <laughs> that's, it, that's exactly what it is. We're, allow, we're allowing each other to go ahead and color the same color cups across the board in this most simple, clear, and yeah. effective way of understanding, right? And I think a lot of that comes mm. down from learning how to write better which has allowed for me to speak better, yeah. which has allowed for me to slow myself down, to give me the ability to have that psychological flexibility to come out and talk with having that credibility and having the conversations that we are having and being able to sit with someone who has a master's degree in exercise science and all these other really amazing anecdotes for yourself to have a legit conversation about something and, and, and get, be able to offer value to the listeners and those that we're helping. Mm. Well, I guess I guess it's the same with anything, isn't it? Like the more you can, like you were talking about the other day with with photography, with the more perspectives you can get on one object, one building, one one area, whatever it is, the more you can kind of build up an accurate picture. Um, and I guess as as cheesy as this sounds, but us us being able to kind of chat and, and talk from like a, a kind of a first hand experience perspective. Uh, uh, research perspective but but also to be able to integrate like the the, the rest of the software community like guys who are listening and, and be able to hear their side of things like their perspective on things that that can only be a uh, like a step forward because it just allows us to see it from so many different more correct and, and again that's the conversation right like conversation leads to changes so again it's like mm -hmm. even if that conversation is through writing it's still a conversation yeah. and it's something that you know one thing that I've really learned too so far, and I think something you've helped me with is being able to talk it out has allowed for me to write it in a more clear and concise manner, which has allowed for yeah. me to solidify yeah. my ideas, knowing that those are my ideas, my thought process that I've been able to put on paper that's mine because I can now talk about it in a mm -hmm. clear and efficient system and I can write about it in a clear and efficient system. And I think that's when you know you have somewhat of a grasp on a, on a, on a topic that you can help move something forward. And I think that's where we're at right now is like we're looking at, at Softly and this and our small human performance team that we're doing and the things that we have coming up as that is like, hey, look, not only are we focusing on the physicality aspect, but we're also looking at how can we integrate the science and the anecdotal experience of the psychological um, standpoint and integrate the two together to go ahead and enhance the tactical professional. That's it at the end of the day. And we're just evolving yeah. and trying to stay yeah, ahead exactly. of the curve. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, and again, I think there's there's like, there's so much that we still need to learn and to kind of figure out. And that, that's what makes it so exciting and so interesting that, that it's all about kind of figuring out what are the right yeah. questions to ask. To yeah, and, and, and again, like, I think the things that we're doing are only creating more answers or more questions. I'm going to say answers, but more questions. They really have. <laughs> Right, like it's yeah. like well, that's like for instance, yeah. like the question you asked: Do you think as we continue moving down this road of this, this different types of virtual warfare, because that's what it sounds like is becoming right and psychological warfare? How do mm -hmm. we go ahead and mitigate and help the individual, make sure that they're not, you know, burning themselves down 
and creating this traumatic neurosis or traumatic hysteria or shell shock or PTSD or operator syndrome, whatever fucking name you want to throw at it, is how do yeah. we go ahead and mitigate the outcome of that? And I think that I say that correctly, like, you know, we mm -hmm. want to go ahead and mitigate risk to allow from us not have been exposed or putting ourselves in that position to where we know yeah. from previous experiences and in, in, in in, in our world so far that no matter what traumatic event, the body's going to have some kind of physical reaction to it psychologically and physically. So we have to go ahead again, just like we understand strength conditioning Right, we know that hey, if I have an athlete go through a six-week training training phase that focuses on inflicting strength, increasing their strength numbers in their back squat, power clean, um, trap bar deadlift, power throw, and then their two-mile run and all those, we understand that those things create this effect. Well, guess what? It's the same exact thing when a tactical athlete goes and ex and experiences a traumatic event. We have to go ahead and have the recovery tools to allow for them to go ahead and get rid of those acute stressors so that it doesn't prolong and create this chronic state of stress yeah yeah and, and, and with that almost like kind of being mindful that the the, the target's constantly yeah. moving because the the guys that are going through basic training now or, or officer officer cadet school now or whatever they're going to be dealing with something that's different again you know and it's it, it's kind of making sure that the from from our kind of performance side of things, but also from the, the kind of clinical psychology things uh, side of side of the house, making sure that we're not trying to view. Oh, this sounds so cliched. I'm sorry, but making sure that we're not trying to view tomorrow's problems or tomorrow's issues with today's or even yeah. yesterday's like tools. We we have to kind of almost be like like leading the target. We have we have to be thinking about. Well, what things are we are they going to potentially have to prepare for in the future, and, and kind of like like scaling up to that? Um, and 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 it's yeah. another conversation to have too. Is like, what if you don't suffer from PTSD, but you suffer from, you know, chronic depression due to the fact of the state of your job that you're in? Like I've worked and talked to people that way too. It's like, I just hate the job that I do in, in the military. And I like thought I was going to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like now, you know, one, I'm not doing well in my job. I'm overweight. I'm sick all the time. I'm hurting myself. Like, and all of a sudden we start seeing this like downward spiral to where we start seeing self-destructive tendencies. And that's a conversation that we'll have some other time down the road because that's a legit thing that we see today, right? Just because of the lack of war that we've had. So there's an opposite of that spectrum yeah. where it's like, wait a minute, well, you also, now we talk about like, well, we got to go ahead and talk about how much control that you have of your thought process of where you're at in this moment, right? Yeah. So I'm excited to like dive deep into those kinds of things because that's some of those things that we see today when it's like, hey, like we understand mm -hmm. sometimes that you might do something that you don't love. And being in the military, sometimes you have to do things that you don't love. But you have the control to perceive that situation or experience in a totally different manner if you have the psychological flexibility to do so yeah yeah so so kind of going back to what you were talking about before i guess it's that it's that idea of if if our like the let like when we talked about kind of going to the opticians and they kind of change the lens in front of you and say is that better or worse it's that same kind of model if everything that we think and like how we behave is affected by which lens is in front of us at any given time, then surely by extension, we just have to figure out, I say just like it's something really simple, but 
we have to figure out how to, okay, well, how do I change that lens so that the stuff coming in is beneficial rather than like destructive, like you were talking about before. Um, yeah, yeah. How how do we kind of do Correct, that? To right, change? and like I think that's the whole idea here is like how do we create a change in state from this over chronic stress, and and maybe this fear state or hyper, you know, sympathetic state. How do we change that to go ahead and elicit a response to get them away from that to actually change the way they view life? And have you, I mean, have you got? I, I guess kind of as we as we sort of draw into a close, have you have you got any like? quick take homes or quick tips for people to kind of think about in terms of if like we know we're in uncertain times at the moment, you know, we know, we know things have been hard and, and, uh, and, and things are difficult. So are there any kind of quick fire tools you can point people towards? I'm going to go, changing yeah, I'm going to go ahead and use something that I've actually been doing for myself. Cause it's something that I've learned. And, and if, anybody's interested in kind of learning like some of these things. There's a book I'm reading right now by a doctor named David M. Burns back in 1980. He wrote a book called feeling good and yeah. Feeling good. Yeah. Scroll that one down. Um, and, and, and I'm like, it's a long, it's a thick book, man. It's a good 500 page book. And, and he's used this book and, and the book is considered to be utilized in therapy, but they call it biblically or how do you say it? It's book therapy. I was trying to say, like, there's a scientific term, but it's book okay. therapy, meaning that therapists and clinicians will give this book to their met to their clients and have them read it while partaking in therapy as well. Due to the fact of what Dr. Burns has done in this book, has really created this. And much as I want to say it's not a self help book, it's really a very self educational book to help you with symptoms. So one thing that he talked about in there was challenging your thought processes. Right. Okay. So. You're like, of course you'd fucking pick that. Like, like I have now turned everything into a challenge. If I feel like I'm going into a spiral, if I feel sad, because again, let me just tell you, like PTSD doesn't go away. You just learn how to mitigate and manage those symptoms, right? And it, you just become that much more aware of what those symptoms are. And over time, you become so accustomed to, not accustomed, you become that sensitive to those patterns where you catch them that early on to where you now... I can say kind of like Correct. preempting it almost and breaking Correct. that cycle in. Right? right. And then that's the psychological flexibility aspect. So one of those things I do that is 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 challenging my thought process. So if I start going down a spiral of feeling sad or noticing this like cognitive distortion thought process of like all or nothing or labeling or generalization or like creating this like this catastrophic and like I challenge it right away. I'm like, no, why am I thinking that? Or no, why am I why am I sad? Like, oh, I haven't Maybe I should challenge myself to go do something. Like challenge my way, challenge my perspective. Like, it takes a lot of self awareness. Like a lot of like now they kind of re check in and ask. Those and, kind and, of and maybe that is maybe you're right. Maybe it does take a lot of awareness for it. But at the end of the day, it's fucking super easy and simple to do. It's literally and like something that I started doing was, um, you know, if I noticed that I had a negative thought process, I would write it down. And over time, I got away from writing it down. But I would like scribble it down, and it okay. wasn't. I didn't write down what the feeling made me, I didn't write down what the thought made me feel like. I wrote down the thought, right? And then from okay. there, I would challenge that thought and be like, okay, cool. So for yeah, example, yeah. let's say that I share an idea with you and then you give me this weird look. That weird look creates a thought process in my head of like, oh, he must have thought that was stupid. I'm dumb. I, that doesn't make any sense. And then it's like, wait a minute, stop. Why am I challenging my, and then I challenge like, wait a minute, I'm not, I challenge that thought process being like, Am I stupid? No, I just put a whole bunch of time into writing and developing it. Maybe I just need to create a better and a clear and an effective manner, you know, 
or, mm. or, or yeah, maybe I just need to go ahead and ask better questions to allow for me to develop a clearer and more effective way to go ahead and translate something. Or, no, I'm actually a really good dad. I, I'm not a, like, yeah, because I went out to the mountains for three hours a day and, and, and didn't have breakfast with the family. Like, that's not what, like, I'm just saying, like, that's an example, right? Like, like that's yeah, me, that's me becoming better for my family. It's not me being a bad dad. Like that's a thought. Like that's a generalization or labeling something. Let's yeah, all- yeah. So you kind of, I guess you're making, like you, like you were talking about in terms of breaking that spiral. I guess you're by by writing that. I feel X or I think X by writing that. You're you're forcing yourself to kind of take a hard stop and and kind of look at something that's that's physical and abstract that you can think oh, actually that's ridiculous. But, it, but if you hadn't done that, if you hadn't written down that thought, then like it just kind of keeps spiraling and spiraling. Yeah. yeah. That makes and like, that's sense. kind of a lot of what I'm doing right now. Right. And like, you know, I had a really hard time with like, when I put that video out with Honeybeard that we pulled up, we talked about it today, you know, I was ashamed of it for a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I didn't. And then when I say ashamed, it was more of like, am I taken away from those who have it worse than I do? was my thought process. That is a negative, right. that's a cognitive distortion. Like, it's like, no, man, it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, you put out some vulnerable stuff that is gonna help others who have probably had it worse be like, oh, dude, this dude is talking about it, why can't I talk about it, right? Like, Yeah, and, and I guess hopefully stopping people getting to that point, like we, talk, like we talked about the whole way through this, like preempting, how do we, how correct, do we pre-arm right? people? By having, yeah, by having this conversation. When it's the same thing here, and this is a lot of like, you know, as I'm writing a lot more for myself, you know, it's like one of those things I'm taking a lot of my patrols like I did in the military, you know, and it's something I'm really valuing learning is like learning how to endorse yourself, but endorsing yourself, not your ego. Okay. So can you, can you go like expand so on that? So for example, bit? right, like when I go ahead and the way I'm going to use this is like I've done over a hundred patrols in Afghanistan in a seven month period, right? Okay. For the longest time, I was allowing my ego to go ahead and look at that as like a a entitlement, a a like oh like I'm ashamed of I don't want to share that because it might take away from someone else. When actually deep down to the self, I'm connected so much because it took a piece of me to go ahead and do that. So guess what I'm gonna go ahead and do? I'm gonna endorse okay. that. I'm gonna go ahead and be like, yes, no, I have had over a hundred patrols in Afghanistan when I was, yes, as I was the communicator, the reconnaissance communicator for my platoon, right? But what was cool was I got to patrol with both my teams because of the fact that I had the skill sets as a reconnaissance operator and I had the skill sets as a communicator. I was allowed to go ahead and be an asset, meaning that I potentially was an extra gun in the fight and an extra hand just in case shit hit the fan, which allowed for my RTOs to go ahead and either take over the radio if shit hit the fan or they go be a gun and I can go ahead and do whatever. So I now just became an asset to my teammates because I was able to do that, right. which then put me in a position yeah, yeah. to go ahead and patrol, you know, back to back sometimes. And, oh, you're out with fucking, you're out with first with the first team. Oh, now you're out with Levine's team. Now you're out with Cahill's team. Now you're back, you know, you're back and forth. Oh, hey, George, stay back here because you need to rest a little bit. You know, and I remember like, you know, my team leaders in this moment when on those deployments on that deployment, you know, how our, my, my platoon sergeant didn't want me to go out on these patrols. He wanted me back. And my, my team leaders were like, no, dude, like he's an asset to us. He, he needs to be with us. So it's me recognizing that I'm not putting my ego first. I'm putting myself first. Meaning I have the humanity now to go ahead and look at, like I gave a lot of myself to go ahead and do that. It was part of my job. It was the Jersey I was wearing because that's again, right? That's what I was looking at. So I look at it now to this day as, okay, cool. 
I'm going to endorse that, but I'm going to go ahead and endorse that in terms of what was the skills that I learned during those times and moments that I can carry over today to allow for me to go ahead and have a positive lifestyle. So like you just said right now, the check-in, and that's the reason why I went down that rabbit hole because on a reconnaissance patrol, and if you ever read the Ranger Handbook, you know that you have security halts and you have, and these security halts are usually whenever we come up to either an unknown objective or or situation or we're crossing a danger area or we're getting ready to go and conduct leaders recon into something or we're conducting seals seal you know and and what that does is it lets you recalibrate to the area when you take that security halt so okay. what you correct you adjust to the baseline of what's going on yeah. because there's a new stimulus now that all of a sudden has just affected the baseline and we have to go ahead and recognize it and then mm. keep moving forward. So I wrote a piece on it. I haven't shared it. Again, I write a lot of stuff and I don't share it. Maybe we'll figure out what I'm going to do with it. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I talked about this, about how like I utilize security halts in my every day before I transition to a new piece of the day. Mm. So for yeah, example, yeah. right? Like before transitioning into like our podcast today, I made sure to like have a set of, tools and skills that allowed me to flow in. It's like, all right, cool. I lit some sage, like just kind of cleared some energy. You know, I, I meditated real quick, got my notes set up, put my computer set up. I got myself set up to go ahead and have a very focused, here I am, time to make it happen. It's the same thing too. When I get ready to go on a patrol in the past, I had to do pre-combat checks and you know, and I had to do pre-rehearsals. Those are the same exact things here, right? Yeah. I were planning, planning, planning. It allowed for me to have, yeah, same yeah, it's just in a different manner now. And that's all it is I'm mm. looking at now. That's literally what I'm doing is like I'm taking these identities that I've learned from the ego and I'm attaching them to the self to allow for me to have full transparency of the self. Right. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's really powerful. Like you said, it, it kind of turns things that you you have every right to feel quite negative about to, to things that are clearly adding massive value, like allowing you to, to kind of be – better as a, as a family man, better as a, as a kind of profession. Yeah. And, and, like and I like the way I say it is I stop playing defense. I'm playing offense now. Yeah. Yeah. To, like, take, taking control. It's, it's now, you're not yeah. having to react. And the psychological flexibility allows me to play offense or defense when I need it. Right. Bob and weave hit that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's, it's just kind of, you know, where I'm at today, it's like, now it's like, you know, for me, it's not that I'm like trying to sit here and be an advocate of like, like, you know, suicide and PTSD. No, it's like, I just going to continue leading by example through doing an application. And I will share that through doing an application because that's what I've been doing my whole time in this field for the past 11 years is that. And that's where I'm at to today, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and we just talked about it. Like I just went through a full year of focusing on like, I engulfed myself into the psychological realm so deep that I went to some places that taught me some really cool things and everything else like that. But it's like, cool, I can take those impact, those influences and now implement them into like my own psyche, into how I approach things to utilize them to continue growing. And I think that's fair, right? Because yeah. the only way we learn is through doing. And sometimes some people learn through failure and some people learn through success. It doesn't matter. You're doing something. That's fair. That that embodies your your whole kind of view of scientists. Yeah, right. Like principle. that's that's the cool thing. So yeah, man. It, this is a conversation I think we can talk forever about. I think it's something that, you know. I've been able to really grasp the past couple of years on much more. Um, and especially the listeners, I'm pretty sure they've heard me have, you know, talk about some things and to hear me talk about these things now, it's probably going to, you know, I'm really excited to hear, hear some feedback and, and hear like, oh, that's really cool insight or really cool ideas of what we're working on right now. Because again, it is different. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I think it should be. Like, like we kind of talked about before, I think if, you, if you're not looking back at what you did three, four, five years ago and thinking, oh, shit, what was I thinking? Like, if your thoughts and your, your kind of approach hasn't evolved and changed, something's wrong. Like, you, it should be evolving. It should be kind of, like, progressing as you, as you figure more stuff out, either through, like, external education, like, like you're kind of going through at the moment or through, like, that, that experiential. Correct. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I, again, like I said, I keep saying this, but the mind is a very complex and unpredictable uh um, muscle or organ, however you want to look at it. Um, and at the yeah. end of the day, you know, like it's going to continue to evolve. It's going to go ahead and continue to develop, you know, to the, the, the nature and the nurture of our, of our, of our universe and our world. We, I mean, we've seen it, like I talked yeah. about in that research paper, I've talked, you know, we saw this kind of problems back in 50 BC. You know, if you go and look at literature yeah. from way back then, poetry, you look at philosophers, you look at, you know, individuals who talked about, like, we go ahead and use, like, captains and lieutenants and those guys who fought those war, like you said, in World War One or the Civil War. And all of a sudden, that war, that warfare changed to World War Two, to where now the fighting's different. And now we're starting to see different types of, you know, signs and symptoms from those experiences. the same thing here. But at the end of the day, the way we can again, pre-arm the individual is by making sure the human is okay and to make sure the human is at a foundation to handle those experiences. Yeah, it's kind of make, making people as robust yeah. and resilient as, yeah. as possible, yeah, I guess. So, yeah, man, I appreciate you uh, with the questions, man. I, like, It was really cool. Like, I know we talked about before the show, but it was like, I don't share my research papers with people. So sharing it with you, that was really cool. And like, you know, I again, I'm open to feedback yeah. and helping me become better at writing this stuff. Cause like, again, my capstone, I want to be able to put that together and, and probably, and, and potentially share it, you know, like that's something that's, mm. that I want to do. Yeah. Well, wh where I think you're in a, you and we are in a really cool position is that like, again, kind of repeat myself really, not only have you got that, that firsthand experience or everything you're talking about, you have the, the kind of the, the theoretical scientific underpinning and background to support it. And you have access to these thousands of, of, of people within the, the software community who can offer the same thing Correct. from different perspectives. It's there's not there's not going to be many people in the in kind of the particularly tactical at the moment that can that can offer that kind of value yeah. to the and, community. And I, um, I think we're so, yeah, dude, we're we're in a good spot. So, um, well, I think we're going to go ahead and close the show up here. Um, I hate using um. I know that's usually when I start getting tired of talking. So I think it's a good spot. But honestly, hey guys, everyone that's listening, thanks for listening to us have a conversation on this. I know this topic is a very, what would you say, Matt? It's a very... It's pretty yeah, massive, it's a, isn't it? It's, it's pretty relevant. It's very, it's it's very relevant and very controversial um, to an extent. And I mm -hmm. think that's just because of everyone's really so passionate about it and trying to kind of like find their way into the space with it. And for us, I think the way we're doing it is in a very unique manner that makes us us and why soft lead is where we are. We are at today. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and, and kind of like to echo what you were talking about before is if people have insights, if people have kind of thoughts and, and, and things they want to share we're we're all part of the same community. We're all trying to, keep moving this thing forward so if even if you think it's kind of like like george was saying with uh with his uh his honeybeard video even if it's something you think is is maybe not 
relevant or meaningful to you at the moment just by sharing might help someone else out and, and again it, it kind of let's try and start spinning that correct that circle instead up. of downwards yeah well, hell down. yeah well if you guys need to get a hold of us um you can email me at george at softly.com and matt's at softly.com <laughs> super simple um, yeah, yeah. but again until next time matt thank you dude and i'm looking forward to our next conversation yep cheers george appreciate it